0: Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, how are you today?
1: What happened to what's up?
0: Well, I know it's up with you. So <laughs> I, I'm more concerned with how you were doing.
1: I am hanging in there, recovering from the flu. We don't have a backlog of episodes. So I wanted to be here. How are you?
0: I begged her not to push herself, but she insisted. <laughs> so I am on PTO today. I am taking care of business. And by that, I mean, getting up for one meeting and then going back to sleep, but it's okay. I've got stuff to do today. It's a beautiful day outside. I might go hiking. We'll see. But today we have a guest and I'm going to let you introduce him because I'm excited to get into this conversation. We're going to roll right
2: in.
1: I'm very excited today because Mike Monroe from Obelisk is joining us today. Mike, please uh, introduce yourself.
2: Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me. Mike Monroe from Obelisk. We're a Rails consultancy that yeah. typically works with medium sized businesses and funded startups to build new products or tackle ambitious projects, fixing performance issues, and also a decent amount of just helping companies dealing with scale. I'm curious, like, what's your background in programming? So, I have a business partner today. We met back in 2000 at a startup, actually, probably close to 99. But yeah, so worked for a bunch of different startups early in my career. That was my first job. I took that job even before I finished school, but it was right at the end. So, started my career doing some quality assurance, then quickly moved into programming. Early on, it was all .NET, a lot of C sharp. Then there was Java mixed in for a few years, kind of Java and C sharp trading off for a little bit, and then a small period of PHP. Pretty much all of it though is definitely focused on the website, and then, geez, PHP shift the Rails back in. 2010-ish. But at that point in my career, I was a development manager for a larger financial services company. So still had my hands on the keys a decent amount. But there was, a, I would say, period of five to six years at least where definitely more managing developers rather than being responsible for moving code, but was working with my business partner even then full-time. We left to start a consultancy in 2014 that was rails and ember js was all of our projects that we worked on at the time we sold that company in 2016 and started what is now Oblast today which is also not really any ember anymore but definitely rails for sure and with hotwire we've done a decent amount of react work the past couple of years which we don't love hotwire we do love and so that's been a lot of fun so we actually pushed pretty hard when we have the opportunity to try to convince clients to go down the full stack Rails route. And that's been great too. A man after my own heart. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about this apprentice program. I was at Rails We were thinking about hiring a junior developer. We know that it's always challenging to hire juniors. It's time consuming. You really have to make sure that you have the availability to provide the mentorship that they need. We felt like we were getting there. I think a big thing that Has changed since we've worked with juniors in the past is just remote versus non remote. And so, yeah, fast forward, we're looking to add a junior to our team. Some of that was even pushed by just some of the issues we're hearing about in Rails and Ruby in general. And just the JavaScript is everywhere. Coding schools, boot camps are shifting their programs away from teaching things such as Rails and pushing JavaScript even heavier. And so, from our perspective, we thought, let's see if we can help here a little bit. We're still kind of a smaller team, and so we wanted to bring a junior on, but we also realized hiring juniors and training them return on investment is there. so I went out to RailsSAS. that was a rails conference out in l a One of the people I met was someone who recently graduated from layweb. They're a boot camp that teaches rails, and I know that they were looking for an opportunity and we talked a lot those few days, and I could see that he was. You know, deeply passionate about Rails and learning Rails and was very entrepreneurial. And so it kind of opened the door, like just kind of led right into maybe he's the right person to join us as a junior dev. And so before doing that, though, I thought to myself, okay, we've done this in the past. We've hired Rails developers and they leveled up pretty quickly. The difference between when we did this in the past versus, you know, why I thought we had to put a framework around this is we're remote today. We were not remote then. I think that it's not easy. I think it's easier to mentor a junior when you're in person. And a lot of that is just, it's not the fundamentals or the things that you're teaching them. It's more about when you're sitting next to a person and you don't hear them typing on keys, you know that they're stuck. Yeah. As you said, you can pick up on the struggles and then you can walk over to someone's computer or even just you walk to get a drink of water or something. You see their screen and you see where they're stuck. The cursor hasn't moved. There's just a multitude of things. In remote, the way I thought of it is a lot of the mentorship needs to be scheduled, needs to have more... I don't want to say guardrails, but more proactive interaction needed to be planned for. And so the best way I thought of doing that is just like, okay, typically, the first three months of even a new developer, first three months are super important. New junior developer, first three months is super important. So I thought to myself, okay, let's break that down even further. So let's just take the 90 days. What are the goals that we'll shoot for that we want to try to teach this developer in the first 30 days? And then that should build for the second block that's 30 to 60. And then the third block, which is, you know, the 60 to 90. As with all things, I think that having a plan is helpful, but you also, as we found with Dominic is his name. he's the junior developer that we hired, is you have to also allow for flexibility. So we have the 30, 60, 90-day program that we follow, but that's mostly just a plan. So I think it's worthwhile to talk a little bit about like, where does that flexibility come in. One of the first things we did with Dominic was just to get a feel for where does he have confidence, what are the things that he took from his boot camp that he feels solid in? What are the things that he feels a little less secure with? We found quickly that, you know, user interface, front-end specific topics were not necessarily that he was lacking. I think he's pretty good with CSS, but drop someone into a project that's full-on view components and all they've ever done is Rails, vanilla rails and partials. It's another thing for them to learn. And so We kind of used, I'd say the first like two to three weeks to just get a feel for what things should we start pushing a little bit earlier now to get his comfortability level up. And then what are those things that we need to build out over the next, you know, as part of this framework, the things that we could probably not spend as much time concentrating on because he feels really good there. And then the other things that we need to do a little bit extra to help him level up.
0: That's interesting. I appreciate that you're putting like actual framework and initiative. You know, these are the things that are happening because a lot of times when a junior comes in, it's like, okay, I've got stuff to do. I might have a mentor, maybe not. Like something that I like that you said early on was like, hey, you need to have certain things in place to take on a junior to do right by them, to do right by the company. It's very true. And I've seen places where they'll just chuck you in and it's like, well, now what? how do we know if this person's struggling? And how do we know this if no one's checking on them? And that's a quick way to burn someone
2: straight out of a company. I would argue that's a quick way to burn someone that's not even a junior. Oh, yeah. I think it's really only the most senior people that I think you can just plop into a team. But even then, I think as part of the hiring process, they know that they're coming into the team, and they're coming in as a... I need to help get myself up to speed. I might be a leader within this organization, and whether it's the engineering team is growing or adding, or things are splitting up and they need another senior developer onto the team. But otherwise, especially for juniors, I think if you don't have someone who is call them the assigned mentor, but not only the assigned mentor. That someone who is assigned as the mentor needs to be willing and able to lean into that. And it is. It's an investment not only by that person who's the mentor, but also by the company. I think the company needs to understand that while this person is mentoring, they can't have the typical full plate that they would usually have. If they are regularly hiring juniors, and every... Six months, you know that you have a mentor or two, depending on how things are set up. Maybe your plate is always not 100% allocated for non mentor activities. But if it's, you know, you've gone six months and you didn't have any mentor responsibilities, you got a full plate of development activity. When you're moving back into that mentor role, the company needs to alleviate that development schedule. That being said, though, you know, I think a lot of people would say like, Oh, that's a good reason not to hire a junior dev. Oh, you know, the seniors, they sling so much code, they get so much done. The quote unquote 10x developer, we can't afford to not have them writing all this code. But I think a junior developer, even if you say that it's like 12 to 18 months before they're like really hitting their stride and kind of returning... To me, that's short term. And I think that's even longer than what it is. I think if you provide the mentorship for a junior, I think within 90 days, you get them up to speed in a way that they're able to self-fulfill. It becomes a more positive feedback loop for them. So they're taking on harder stories. They're fixing harder bugs. They're more importantly... Finding ways to engage with team members to ask the right questions, to do a little bit more research on their own. They've leveled up in terms of like the questions they can ask, the research that they can do to ask better questions. The mentoring, even if it's not with that mentor, it's just another, maybe it's another mid level on the team or even another junior. They have better tools to level themselves up. And so I say 12 to 18 months, but I think it's fair to think a junior developer with the right mentorship within a year should be independent and self-sustaining able to, you know, you're not going to give them the big architectural challenges, but it should be a very good supporting member of the team tackling a decent amount of work.
1: Hi there, Julie here. I would like to take a moment to thank GoRails for sponsoring this episode. When I was first starting out, I struggled with finding up-to-date content to help me level up. Then I learned about GoRails. Not only does GoRails provide new screencasts weekly, they also have two fantastic instructors that break down complex topics into digestible chunks. On top of that, I really appreciate when they explain the whys behind the subject. One of my favorite walkthroughs is creating your first Ruby gem from scratch. What a great way to learn by stripping down to just the basics. If you care about leveling up as a Ruby engineer, you can't go wrong with GoRails. Check it out at gorails.com. I really liked what you said about when you're in person, you can see if the junior developer is not typing or looks like they're getting stuck. And now that we're remote, I can feel myself getting stuck and just kind of sitting there. I have to be the one that approaches the mentor. If I am not advocating for myself, then I could really just spend hours trying to figure out a problem and I can't. How has... The mentorship formed for remote versus how it was in person, because I actually am pretty good about reaching out for help when I am stuck. But I feel like a lot of folks have a problem with reaching out. And how would those people kind of get that help that they need?
2: It is a problem. It is something to deal with on the remote side. This happens today. How are we trying to deal with it is as a mentor, and I'm Dominic's mentor, one of the first things that I tried to deal with from day one was I did my best to convey to him that he should feel secure asking any questions at any time. And also, we try our best to let them, to let juniors in general, but what we try to do with Dominic is he'll watch myself drive certain things. We have another senior developer on the team, Dave, that he's worked with. And Dave is probably one of the best Rails programmers that have come along. But if you watch him, Justin Searles, you watch him on the internet and you hold these people up and you think like, oh, they don't know mistakes. They don't have to look stuff up. They're so confident in their abilities. Like code just like comes out of their hands and it's all magical. But when you really watch it, they struggle like everyone else. And so one of the things that I tried to impress upon Dominic when he first started was none of us are perfect. Even the seniors on the team ask stupid questions all of the time. I tried to invite him to situations where I would reach out to Dave and say, Hey, Dave, like this is crazy. I have no idea why I can't figure this out or I'm stumbling on this thing. And we would do Slack huddles often. When those huddles would come up, a lot of times I would just ask Dominic to jump in and join us and just watch. The reason is to have him feel this like, okay, even seniors have to ask just quote unquote, stupid questions. The questions that aren't asked are the stupid ones, right? But even more tactically, and I do realize, I think that he doesn't do it soon enough. Sometimes we try to rely on Slack. And so if he's stuck to reach out in the channels and a lot of times it's like ask a question or if you're uncomfortable asking the question, then just DM one or multiple people. And can we jump on a huddle and try to talk this through? That's one tactic that we've tried. Another tactic, and this is actually, I think, even harder to tackle, but we've been trying to instill this in him, is put code into GitHub. So PR bar, he shouldn't be thinking in terms of PRs. It's just like, if I'm stuck, you have a branch, push it up and then ping one of us. Like, I have this question we instilled upon him. It doesn't matter how gross it is, how weird you feel about that code, There's no judgment, but that's the best way for us to like have a conversation. And so if you're stuck, push it up. That usually opens up a... Let's have a conversation. Usually, it's a Slack huddle. Let's jump on. Let's walk through the code together. Let's have some feedback. Those are the two tactics that we've been trying. I will say there's still a struggle with remote though. There's two things that I think would improve the process that we do today. One is, and even from the get-go, I wish we could have hired another junior I think if you can hire two right from the get-go, that's always helpful because they can utilize each other. And if they're stuck, like maybe one unstuck's the other, it feels like there's a little bit more comfortability there or comfort with vulnerability. The other thing that I would like to do that we haven't done with Dominic, and I think we will do this and for future junior hires is to plan in-person time. So even if there's a remote developer who works from home, we look out and find like a WeWork membership for a month. We get them into an office together for a week or even two weeks, if possible, to work together and do that for multiple stints throughout, I would say, that first six months and with different developers in the team. Start with some of the seniors, start with the mentor, you know, lead to another senior that they split time with, maybe another mid level downstream. To go back to your question, It is hard though. Like, I won't sugarcoat it. Like, I think that there's, especially in a remote relationship, there are some things that have to fall on the juniors to help themselves level up. And some of that is just, there is going to be some level of uncomfortability. Like, if they're stuck, they have to reach out. But I do think that the company and the team should be trying to do a good job of, like, how do we proactively manage that? I don't know what the correct answer is, but like everything else, It's like, how do we start this process? And then what are the things that we do as we evolve to improve the process? And I think to a certain extent, maybe even my framework was more about like, this isn't going to be perfect, but it's the thing that even after 90 days, we can look back and say like, how did Dominic do against the 90-day framework? But how did we as a company do against the 90-day framework? And how do we evolve that as we move forward? I want to highlight
0: one thing you said, because it's something that I do and I believe very strongly in is that if you have a question, you invite that junior into the room and be like, Hey, just here, you can listen into this. To me, it's like inviting them to a seat at the table because they might not need to be there. Like if I'm on a project at work, if I'm leading this project, I have all these random meetings. Like I might not need my team there, but I want them there. Number one, because it's like... I need backup. I might need backup. You know, this is my person. But the other hand, it's like, hey, you and me, we're in this together. We're a team. I don't view you any differently. You are the same. You're on the same level. I respect you. And I want you here with me so that we can tackle this together. And it shows them that there's equality here, that we're equal, that I can ask these questions, that the humility that you show as a leader trickles down. I've seen that big time.
2: So I want to highlight that because that's very commendable. Not something I hear a lot of people talk about. I couldn't agree more. My thesis is that like, leaders need to show some level of vulnerability. You know, At the end of the day, we're all human. And I think that the best way to manage other humans is to be nice and show vulnerability. I think that we all respond to that. And it, I don't know, for me personally, it's just an easier way to live my life to a certain extent. You get easy benefits of that. You make other people feel a little bit more comfortable. You get them to feel more comfortable with the vulnerability that they're taking on especially junior devs, there's only positives that come out of that, for sure.
1: Yeah, I feel like even after all the years of experience you have, if we hopped on to pair on something right now, I could ask you all of the stupid questions that I have, and I wouldn't feel like you were judging me. So I really appreciate you sharing the story.
0: The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime should not be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. A monthly subscription with HoneyBadger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Get started today in as little as five minutes at HoneyBadger.io with plans starting at free. Yeah, you heard me. Free. A big thank you to Honey Batcher for sponsoring this episode
2: of Ruby for All. The other thing that I tried to stress at the beginning too, and I've always done this with juniors, I've always kind of super stressed on time is not something that they should allow to stress them out. Sometimes you think, I just got this story and it should be really easy. And so you're almost automatically thinking you're in this mindset of like, well, this probably should be done in hours. And then you're like two days into it and you're thinking to yourself like, no. Now I'm super stressed. Like, why isn't this done? This just should have been super easy. And I've just always stressed no matter what, don't let time, because there's enough like programming things related things that aren't even like rails that are stressful to learn. Boot campers coming out, Git is just part of the routine. Git in and of itself. I still see senior developers that struggle with rebasing or working in larger teams. These aren't easy things, and yet they stand in the way of a junior's success. And that's not even like, I don't need to go and learn one of the Rails APIs or methods, whatever it is, or view components, like the new topic of the day that they need to get up to speed on. It's like, no, I also like checked something in two days ago and I want to roll that back. Or like, I don't really know how to stash changes. There's a lot that goes on. So I've just always stressed, like, don't let time be something that causes more stress in your life as a junior who's trying to level up. And one of the tricks that I've used, how I try to help them is, as you're learning, you get a... Maybe that's a story and there's a small thing. You notice something that's interesting to you. You're reading a blog post on something in Tailwind, how to add height and width classes, whatever. And somewhere along the lines, you're on a blog post from someone who's done something in Vue Components. And you don't really know what Vue Components are. I've always stressed, if you're a junior and you're leveling up, even if it's not related to your bug, but you want to take a couple hours and just kind of wrap your head around what is this thing that you haven't figured out yet, please take the time and do that. Maybe try to write something up to try to teach yourself at the end. And there's a lot of gaps because they're new to programming. So there's a lot of things that they won't know that they might be seeing for the first time. And so I stress, here's how you don't let time be a stressor for you. And that is, I'm giving you all the freedom in the world. We're not going to give you any stories that we expect need to be done by a certain time. Like That's how we alleviate the time constraint. And so if you're a day into something and you get dragged off onto a tangent, but the tangent is helpful to you to understand something that you know that you're seeing pretty regularly, please take the time, go off on the tangent, even if it's a half day, whatever it is, spend the time work with your mentor, come back with some questions. It should be a fluid process, but it also keeps some of that funness there too, right? So like, they take a little break, they read up on something that they think is cool. And then it's another thing of like, how do you just keep positivity flowing as best as you can?
0: I have a company that encourages that to a degree, but especially the not letting time stress you out. Like I'm my manager right now is trying to beat that into my brain. Stop stressing times not that big of a deal. I keep telling you this. I don't know what it is you don't get, but I need to keep hearing it. But the joyous exploration is what I call the other part of what you talked about of like having that time and that freedom to like go learn something cuz that can come in major benefit to the company later. I took a little tangent time and relearned some things about GitHub actions. Yeah. And I've got our test suite about at least cut in half and if not more than that. So those little times of exploration can be quite beneficial. Not just the person later. Allow
2: for serendipity. Never is that a bad thing. 100%. Yeah. There is one thing that does stick out to me with juniors that I think is just, I think is worthwhile sharing though that for juniors to be successful, yes, there's work, it's nine to five, but there has to be some passion there. They have to want to take their laptop home. I don't think that means that I'm a true believer in work life balance this company is not successful if it requires people to be doing more than what a typical work would be. Let's just call it plus or minus some hours around 40. Flexible in terms of when that time is done. But it's not even juniors though. Seniors, the only way to succeed in software, it never stops changing. And so there's always a little bit of some work on the side to keep up. And I think that's going back to like keeping it positive for juniors. I think they're having a positive experience throughout the day. They're more apt to bring the laptop home. And I don't think that they should go home and spend another 4 hours. But maybe it is. Maybe right before launch, they saw a little thing on Hacker News about GitHub Actions and they decide, hey, I'm going to watch one less episode of the latest flavor on Netflix tonight. And I'm going to spend 30 minutes looking through this thing that caught my attention earlier today. And I think if they just do that, little nuggets, of time every day to a certain extent really adds up in, I would say, a short period of time. If you're just doing a little bit every day for 12 months, I think anyone aside from juniors will be impressed themselves with the amount that they've learned at the end of 12 months, six months, whatever it is that they're trying to level up in a certain skill.
0: yeah. People really like to boohoo that advice and be like, no, you should never do this after work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling you right now that if you think that Julie and I are good programmers and that Mike here is a good programmer, this is what we did. It doesn't stop after work. Like if you want to be really good, you
2: have to go attack that every day. You do. Yeah, you really do. And I specifically said it because it is boohooed a little bit. It's unfortunate. That being said, I will stress like I don't think anyone should burn themselves out. Like mm-hmm. I think that I they need to find what works for them. It's little tricks, but even 30 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, or reading one blog post a day, that goes a long way. And it's usually, to a certain extent, if they're sacrificing some level of social media time, they're probably winning in two ways. Yeah, I watch GoRails videos in the shower sometimes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just curious if after Dominic has gone through this, apprenticeship program. Were there any learnings, changes? How has the program been for Dominic and would you make any changes?
2: Yeah. I talked about Git earlier. Git has continuously been a struggle. Same. Yeah. But I run into high mid-levels, even to a certain extent, some seniors on incline engagements that often struggle with Git outside of the very basics. So... I don't know the solution there yet because I'd hate to bring someone on board and be like, okay, let's get you leveled up in Ruby and or Rails, but let's pause (laughs) for a focused amount of effort in learning the ins and outs of Git. So I think that there needs to be some more focused effort there. I need to think about like, I say me, but even feedback from the other seniors on the team, like when should we do that and how best to do that? Front end still... I think if there was one gap that we've noticed with Dominic, and I would expect that I would see this with other juniors as well, is front-end technologies. There's always complexity there, no matter how you slice it. There's no real-world application does not have some complexity in the front-end these days. And I think that there's a lot of balls in the air to hold up there. There's a lot of different challenges. And I think that's another one where we need to do a better job of Increasing comfortability around front-end challenges and how best to do that. And then I would say, I just talked about front-end stuff. There is always anything that moves away from plain vanilla will be a challenge. Dominic, is, he's on a project where we're using the SQL gem, so not having active record there. Some challenges there, but surprisingly, I thought that he did an extremely good job of leveling up with that relative to front-end activities. It was some mentorship, reading through the documents online, reading blog posts. I was surprised how well I thought that he leveled up with stuff related to the SQL gem. But yeah, front-end is just... There are some struggles there in terms of what's the best way to level up a junior to a level of comfortability. Well, yeah. I mean, I know senior software engineers. who can't write a
0: lick of front end code to save their life. <laughs> you know, much less it be modern front end. Like they might be able to put a table on the page. Yeah, but it's yeah. always changing. It's hard to keep up there, even for me.
2: Yeah, and there's just core concepts. There's just a lot of concepts that just become to people who have been doing it for a long time. I always refer to it as like that's just breathing. There's a lot of yep. things that are just breathing for me, but that's not the case for someone who's new to a certain extent in multiple different paradigms that they're being confronted with. Yeah.
0: Well, Mike, I think this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you coming on. You want to let people know where they can keep up with you and company and what you're working on?
2: Yeah, for sure. Like I said earlier, Mike Monroe, co-founder at Obelisk. Our website is obelisk.com, O-B-L-S-K.com. And I'm on Twitter as Mike P. Monroe. That's probably the best places to catch me. Well, we will have links to that in the show notes.
0: Again, thank you so much for coming. This is great.
2: Yeah, and thanks for having me. This was a super great conversation and I'm glad I was able to catch up with you guys and talk through some of this junior developer stuff today. Yeah, we might have to do it again. Julie, Sounds you got great. anything?
1: That's it. Thank you so much for coming on, Mike.
2: We're
0: going to bring this train to the station. We'll catch everyone else next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.
1: Bye, everyone.